0: Thank you for tuning in to Making It In The South Sound, the Chamber's podcast series, bringing you stories and information about and for the South Sound business community. This podcast series is made possible through the support of our generous sponsors, Amazon, Columbia Bank, the Minority Business Development Agency, and Verizon Wireless. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Fowler, the Executive Director of the World Trade Center Tacoma. I'm here today with Larry Kvidra, the Senior Manager of Marketing and Business Services for the Northwest Seaport Alliance. The Northwest Seaport Alliance is a partnership between the ports of Tacoma and Seattle that's been having an important, positive impact on the Puget Sound economies. Larry's here today to give us more insight on how the Northwest Seaport Alliance operates, the impact it's had on the South Sound the challenges the ports have been facing due to the pandemic and supply chain issues and the impacts we can anticipate in the coming months. Larry, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for inviting me, Mike. First, tell us a little bit about yourself, Larry.
1: Uh, sure. Um, I was uh, born and raised uh, in uh, southwest Oregon. Uh, I'm an Oregon State University graduate. Uh, after graduating from college, I, I went to Japan and lived there uh, for several years working uh, for a medical supply and medical instrument company. Um, in 97, I came back to the United States, found a, a great job uh, with a nonprofit uh, trade export association uh, here in Tacoma, and uh, that ultimately led me to a job as a project manager uh, at, the, at the time. It was community trade and economic development uh, for the wood products industry. And uh, uh, that finally brought me to uh, work at the Port of Tacoma.
0: And uh, what about the Northwest Seaport Alliance? Tell me, you know, how did that come about?
1: Um, so for people who don't know, uh, the Northwest Seaport Alliance is a marine cargo operating partnership of the ports of Seattle and Tacoma. Uh it was it was created in response to uh, competition that the, the ports were experiencing from other gateways up and down the West Coast. Um, you know, historically, Seattle and Tacoma have always been uh, fierce competitors as neighbors uh, for uh, container shipping share. Uh, and uh, due to the competitive environment and and the cost of the investments that were required in order to attract the cargo, uh, they uh, the two port commissions came together and decided that rather than compete, it would be better to cooperate, and uh, and and that was the start of the Northwest Seaport Alliance.
0: Great, great. Talking about trade, t- give us a the big picture on trade. Uh, for example. How important is Asia to the Northwest Seaport Alliance, and what countries in specific are, are important?
1: Uh, Asia is extremely important uh, to the Northwest Seaport Alliance and the region. Uh, oh, roughly 90% of the containerized trade we do uh, in Seattle and Tacoma is with countries in Asia. Our import, our auto business, as well as our uh, brake bulk business, are both uh, heavily dependent on imports from Asia, and of course, Asian countries are an extremely important market for Washington State and exports of agricultural and manufactured products uh, from our region.
0: Have there been any changes of recent? Um, it,
1: you know, it's it's been interesting. I, I took a look at it over the last five years, and uh, uh, the primary changes that we've seen have been in rankings of our trading partners for example um, uh, vietnam is a shooting star uh, five years ago they were our fifth largest uh, trading partner now they're number three uh, and they're our second largest import trading partner now
0: wow um, tell me about well, we'll talk, talking about vietnam let's talk about the south uh, southeast asia um, apparently, we have a new Indo-Pacific framework, IPF. Uh, tell me about that. What's that about?
1: The uh, Indo-Pacific economic framework is uh, something that I'm not extremely knowledgeable about, but you know, looking on it, looking at it on its face, it seems to me uh, to be more of a policy framework and less of a trade framework. Um, there are opportunities to develop trade as a result of it, but there are other areas that are also a focus. And so, uh, they're looking at, uh, taxation and anti-corruption. They're looking at supply chain. Uh, they're also looking at, uh, opportunities for infrastructure investment and, uh, climate. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very broad in nature. Uh, and uh, it's more of a platform or a starting point for conversation, maybe, than it is uh, what we d- would consider a traditional uh, trade
0: agreement. Multilateral uh, trade agreement, right? Not, so it doesn't give any confer any benefits uh, for those Southeast Asian countries that want to export to the U.S., for example. Um,
1: you know, and uh, honestly, I think, it, it, you know, looking at th- the way things are today, it might be difficult to accomplish some of the goals, uh, you know, given the current uh, trade environment, uh, you know, what we're experiencing right now internationally and some of the tension between countries and, and the security uh, concerns that the United States has and how that's impacting its decisions on, uh, on trade.
0: Right, right. Um, So uh, basically, I think the Southeast Asian countries have said, we're on board, uh, but it doesn't completely satisfy them in terms of giving them alternate markets uh, to trade with. At any rate, uh, what kind of challenges have the Northwest Seaport Alliance and West Coast ports faced over the last few years?
1: Um, yeah, COVID had presented some very uh, unique challenges. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, what, what, what you could use to describe COVID. It, it almost seems like a tsunami wave. You know, in that at the beginning of COVID, uh, we saw uh, factories close in China and in Asia. You know, as the outbreak progressed, uh, manufacturing, manufacturing basically ceased. And uh, uh, that the waves kind of, uh, the, the water withdrew from the beach. <laughs> and uh, as a result of that, you saw empty store shelves uh, here in the United States. Um, and, you know, for our customers, that meant a reduction in the number of services uh, for import and export and a decline in the volume that we, uh, that we handled during that time.
0: What, what specifically did the Northwest super Alliance do to try and address these challenges
1: uh, you know we worked very closely during that stage of the pandemic we worked very closely with our customers uh, a lot of it was outside of our control and then it was primarily driven by a shortage of uh, a shortage of goods that originated from overseas uh, so we basically rode the wave along with everybody else uh, then you get into the middle of the pandemic and that's the crest of the wave, you know, that's the tidal wave. And that's when, uh, the supply chains basically be, became overwhelmed by volume. Uh, you looked at, when you look at the situation at the time, uh, we had, uh, everybody at home, uh, with nowhere to go. Uh, and, uh, uh, we had uh, money to spend <laughs> and money to spend and and ways to spend it. You know, it's not like we had to go down to the local department store. You know, we could just pick up a laptop and, and, and hit up Amazon and Amazon was more than happy to supply us with what we needed, you know, and as a result, you know, because uh, manufacturers in Asia were trying to and, and, and domestic retailers here were trying to uh, resupply their inventories and because consumers here had a whole bunch of money to spend due to, you know, the federal stimulus package that they introduced, uh, you know, in July of, I think it was 2020. Uh,
0: and nowhere else to spend it. And
1: nowhere else <laughs> to spend it. Uh, we had this huge surge in demand. And that basically overwhelmed uh, overwhelmed the supply chain. Right. And, you know, and, and that was far more pr- problematic. Uh, you know, I, uh, we, the experience now is that, you know, supply chains in general, you know, aren't able to adapt well to huge surges in demand like the one we had, uh, especially, uh, you know, from an infrastructure perspective. Uh, and so, you know, for the ports, you saw, uh, ex- you saw vessels waiting uh, in the harbors for birth space. Uh, you saw terminal congestion, which made it difficult for shippers to get their freight. Uh, you saw congestion on the rail as well, in addition to all of the product that's stacked up in, in warehouses uh, everywhere.
0: Uh, I think there were 109 uh, out down in L.A. Long Beach, 109 vessels.
1: And it, was, uh, uh, it was problematic for everybody up and down the West Coast. Um, You know, but now we're now the the wave has crashed, and you know now the waters are receding, and now we see different problems.
0: Well, getting back to the wave at the peak, what did the Northwest Seaport Alliance do? For example, I I I heard about Terminal Five and uh, and other other measures.
1: Yeah, we did a number of things to help our shipper customers. Uh, We had already been working on uh, Terminal Five, one of our strategic terminals uh, located in Seattle. Uh, That opened in January uh, of uh, 2022, uh, which led to new capacity and the ability to move more of the volume across different terminals. Uh, We also opened uh, uh, some near-dock container storage yards to remove some of the congestion from the terminals uh, that they were facing. Uh, And as part of that, because... Uh, Exporters were having problems getting uh, their shipments out. We also were able to secure some funding uh, from the uh, U.S. uh, Department of Agriculture uh, to support uh, export customers who were positioning their uh, containers for export uh, near those yards.
0: What kind of measures did the Northwest Seaport Alliance and private companies do in order to get their stuff?
1: You know, for the Northwest Seaport Alliance, it was, you know, it was about doing our best to work with our customers and stakeholders, uh, to help them with their cargo. Uh, we were experiencing, uh, long vessel delays, uh, congestion at our terminals and, uh, and uh, rail connections were also, uh, delayed, uh, for the Northwest Seaport Alliance, that meant working closely with our customers uh, and our stakeholders. Uh, sometimes, you know, identifying where a particular container was on a terminal and figuring out how to how how to get it out of there. Uh, you know, for shippers, especially the larger ones, uh, you know they they had to come up with some creative solutions. Uh, you know, I won't mention names, but there were some that went out and basically chartered their own ships uh, in order to guarantee that they had uh, capacity so that they could move their freight.
0: And So you did you have terminals that were available for them to bring their own ships in? How did that work?
1: You know, I, I'm not as connected uh, with how that part of the transaction goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, one way or another they made it work. You know, as a result of all of the uh, inbound shipments uh, during uh, COVID, uh, retailers have, are, are in an overstocked situation. Right. Uh, and I think you've seen from some of the killer deals that you've been getting at, uh, at department stores during the holiday season, you know, that they're trying to clear those. Uh, but it sounds like uh, they're still in a, a, a high inventory state.
0: Right. And and uh, to what extent do you think this will be ameliorated by supply chains having already many of them already uh, diversified to Vietnam and the like?
1: You know, it's 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 hard to say. Uh, I I was going to mention earlier that, you know, when we look at the container trade uh, with Asia, uh, we see that uh, uh, we see that a. Uh, The Asian share of our container trade compared with the rest of the world continues to grow. And the other thing we see is that uh, container trade with Southeast Asia is growing as a percentage of Asia as a whole. Uh, A lot of that growth is at the expense of of China, of course. Um, I think you're going to continue to see uh, supply chains diversify for a couple of reasons. Uh, a, uh, the tariffs are still in place. I think when the Biden administration took over, there was a hope that some of the tariffs that we currently see in place against imports from China would uh, would go away. Uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, also, that uh, China, they through COVID and because of tariffs, companies have realized that they need to diversify their supply chains. And uh, not rely exclusively on China, but explore other opportunities in other countries, uh, whether that be uh, in Southeast Asia uh, or more of a near-shoring to Mexico or Central America, or even reshoring.
0: Right. For reliability. For reliability. Right, right. Very good. Well, uh, speaking of waves, the what's the impact of the Ukraine war? That you've seen,
1: uh, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, uh, ninety percent of our trade uh, is with uh, countries in Asia, uh, and for the port in terms of cargo shipments, it hasn't it hasn't had a significant impact. It's probably more meaningful to companies who rely on Ukraine and uh, and Russia for. Uh, key commodities for manufacturing uh, and for agriculture.
0: Got it. And what what about recently here in the South Sound? Um, do you, well the South Sound, North Sound, Northwest Seaport Alliance. Uh, what are the numbers looking like in terms of traffic coming through our ports?
1: Uh, you know, from the container side of the business, you know things aren't aren't as good as we would like. Uh, You know, it's been a tale of uh, uh, two seasons, uh, the first half of the year and the second half of the year in regards to container volumes. uh, You know, the first half of the year was spent recovering from some of the the supply chain challenges due to the strong demand. And the second half of the year has really been about the U.S. economy. Uh, And it's uh, the impact that high-end inflation has had uh, overall on consumer demand that and the fact that retailers are already sitting on a lot of inventory and so there's no need to really order uh in significant amounts from asia right now so
0: our shelves will be well stocked for the time being
1: yeah i would i would assume so
0: good and and, and what about break bulk break bulk you know there's containers and then there's everything that's not in a container uh, how about that those things that roll on and roll off and and cars and all the like
1: uh, the break bulk business has been great. Uh, we are setting uh, record uh, tonnage volumes this year. Uh, the business overall is up uh, about thirty three percent. Part of that's due to the fact that you know when, during COVID when there was uh, uh, you know when there was a shortage of container capacity, uh, a lot of containers actually moved over to break bulk shipping. Uh, so that they could find for, uh, find room on ships to, to move their cargo. Does that
0: mean they roll on and roll off? I'm not sure how they do it, <laughs> but I'm assuming so. Okay, great. And what's the weather forecast, uh, would you say, in the coming months uh, for, for container traffic and also brake bulk?
1: Uh, for con- for container traffic, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, we're, with retailers in a well-stocked position, uh, you know, we, we've seen a decline in, in volumes over the last six months. And, you know, until they work those off and until we can get inflation under control, we're expecting that it's it's going to continue to be challenging. Um for the uh actually i I didn't mention our auto business for our brake bulk business uh more of the same uh you know all indications are that we're going to continue to see strong volumes uh for our auto business next year should be fantastic uh over the last year we recently uh were able to uh acquire a new auto customer uh hyundai is 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 now one of uh, the manufacturers that we handle at the port, and that's supposed to push volumes up pretty significantly. So, right. so they're finding the
0: chips ahead. to make the cars. <laughs> it, it
1: sounds like that's the case. <laughs>
0: very good. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Do you have any last words?
1: Just, just that there are, you know, the port is, you know, is working very hard, uh, you know, to handle our our shippers' cargo and to contribute to. Uh, to continue to tribute to the economy uh, here in the Puget Sound, uh, that we've got some great initiatives that we've accomplished in the last several months and, and, and things that are coming that will help uh, increase our cargo volumes through the Gateway. Um, one of the, I guess, signature initiatives is the completion of uh, the, the Terminal 5 development in Seattle, uh, we were also successful in attracting the BNSF Railway uh, to open a new uh, domestic rail yard uh, in Tacoma uh, and a lot of other things. So I, I'm, I'm really excited and optimistic about 2023 and what the year has to bring.
0: Great. And uh, we at the World Trade Center will do all we can to increase that traffic. Very Thank good. you, Mike. Thank you, Larry. Okay, that does it for this episode of Making It in the South Sound. Thank you for joining us. Episodes can be found on the Chamber's website, www.tacomachamber.org. Look for the link on the homepage and in the top menu. You can listen to Making It in the South Sound directly on our website, or better yet, subscribe to them and never miss an episode. We again want to thank our sponsors. Their generous commitment makes this series possible. Amazon, Columbia Bank, the Minority Business Development Agency, and Verizon Wireless. Thank you and listen to future episodes coming soon.